0: Log. This is episode 7. The Young, Restless, Reformed, and Rigid. Well, you may notice that this month's episode of Captain's Log is a few days late, but as they say, better late than never. Although I'm not sure that really applies to an anonymous Star Trek theological Twitter account. Nonetheless, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. The movement that came to be known as the Young, Restless, and Reform has had time to find its place in the evangelical realm. To be certain, there are multiple facets to this renewal of the Reform perspective. However, there is an underlying current that those within the movement should reflect upon. Rigidity. This will mainly be a self-reflection, which hopefully resonates with others. However, it will also offer application for consideration. Several areas that I've personally had to consider include ascribing celebrity status to key leaders, mistaking contemporary ministries in the movement as authoritative, and failing to see the value of learning from other perspectives and theological movements as well. We'll briefly explore each of these areas, starting with celebrity status. At 19 years old, I knew something was missing from the fairly fundamentalist nature of my church past, namely theological depth and a posture of grace. Into that void, the doctrines of grace and a sola dea gloria perspective came crashing in with a weight that was healthy and dangerous all at once. Actually, it began when a good friend invited me to read The Pleasures of God by John Piper. It's an understatement to say that it was a stark contrast to my spiritual paradigm at the time, and it began a total rewiring of my theological outlook, which was needed. However, it also created an elevation of Piper and his contemporaries that was not healthy or helpful. Today, I hold men of conviction in high regard, but they are not elevated, exclusively quoted, and emulated as before. As I survey blogs, tweets, and church strategies, I'm immediately reminded of the culture of reformed celebrity that I was a part of. The celebrity status actually comes in all shapes and sizes. Bearded or shaved, skinny jeans or blazer, and alternative acoustic or hip-hop. A few pastors, authors, artists, and theologians are the default sources of wisdom as the Reformed subculture so predictably recites their clever lines almost like Calvinistic pull-string dolls. I encourage all in the movement to look with discernment on their own hearts to determine if they have emphasized specific leaders too greatly as I had. In addition to celebrity status within the Reformed camp, there was also parachurch authority that had to be wrestled with. Along with the elevated status of key leaders in reformed circles also came the ascribed authority of the parachurch organizations. If a church didn't adopt and abide by the philosophy of nine marks, then they might as well be labeled secret sensitive with heretical inclinations. You can also throw in Ligonier, Desiring God, Grace to You, and The Resurgence, just to name a few. I grew and benefited from these ministries, and I still do, but they are not the word of God neither are they the final word on the Word of God. Books, conferences, and seminary credits swirl around these movements like thunderclouds poised to pour showers of blessing on partakers and bolts of correction on the unconvinced. Read the books, attend the conferences, and take advantage of the credits, but understand the secondary value of these organizations and their offerings. To be fair, many if not most of these organizations discourage such authoritative elevation, but we do have a way of attaching and aligning ourselves to movements with convictions and strategies like our own. In addition to celebrity status and parachurch organizational authority, there was also an underlying narrow-mindedness that I had to wrestle with. Anything that was not totally permeated by Reformed theology was to be cast aside and regarded as compromise. Learning from those with an Arminian perspective was considered nonsense. Charismatics were tolerated so long as they were in the Reform camp. Certain seminaries were the elite, and others were considered fifty fifty or another breakdown depending on the percentage of faculty who espoused Calvinism. But in reality, There are certain things that those from different perspectives do better. Apologetics is an area where this can be clearly seen. Well, there are certainly phenomenal Reformed apologists. But in my opinion, many of the best apologists are not from a Reformed background, and there's much to learn from them. What other areas might we benefit from simply through being teachable? Reformed books, conferences, seminaries, blogs, albums, Twitter accounts, like my own, memes, and t-shirts are a dime a dozen. But those of the Reformed perspective who consistently demonstrate grace, humility, and open-mindedness within reason seem to be less abundant and prominent. Reformed theology goes hand-in-hand with crucial theological concepts, the sufficiency of Scripture, justification by faith alone, and the sovereignty of God, to name a few. This inherently creates convictions, standards, and preferences, and that is a good thing. However, unwarranted narrow-mindedness need not be a byproduct of these honorable pillars of the faith. So what is a young, restless, reformed, and rigid believer to do? First, I suggest taking yourself less seriously than you take scripture. 1 Peter 1, 23-25 reminds us that all flesh is like the grass, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Second, hold leaders, ministries, and movements in proper perspective. Understand their value, but also their ultimate unworthiness of your adoration. Along those lines, there are several practical things that I think we could consider that would help us break out of the rigidity that we've been discussing. We can ask a friend, for example, to identify an author, speaker, pastor, ministry, etc. that we might rely too heavily upon. Now, it might be something that we've become blinded to over time. We might have a tendency to not recognize how often we quote, how often we emulate, how often we default to using resources from a specific ministry person or theologian. But a friend who's a little bit more neutral can probably put their finger right upon it. It might not be an easy question to ask, and it might not be an easy answer to hear. But I do think it would be helpful. We could also engage with other theological perspectives, not for combat, but for edification. And I don't mean edification of the other person. Exclusively, I mean, edification of our own selves. In other words, we engage with a person from a different theological background, from a different theological point of view, and the intention is that we ourselves will benefit and grow and be edified by them. So we actually want to hear what they have to say so that we can grow in that area. I think that would be helpful. And we might attend as well a conference out of our normal circuit that puts the same 20 speakers on continuous rotation. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves on a uh, two times a year trip to hear the same people say essentially the same things, and we can never break out of that same echo chamber of theological perspective that we get a consistent diet of. Now, I agree that we need to hear the gospel over and over and over again. However, it is also helpful from time to time to attend a conference or to attend some kind of format or forum where we can get an alternative perspective that will actually help to diversify the way we think and approach various topics. Finally, demonstrate an ability to think and engage with discernment and grace. Listen to the opposing view graciously. Read the book from an author with an alternative perspective. Consider arguments, theologians, and institutions that you might be tempted to casually dismiss. Love God and love people. The young, restless, and reformed might be poised to more effectively present the gospel if they resisted their inclination towards rigidity. Personally, I've had many more substantive gospel interactions since doing so. Well, this month's Twitter poll had quite the response. 65 people voted all in all. The question was, which captain would you want on the bridge in a battle if they had the same ship? The options, of course, being Kirk, Janeway, Sisko, and Picard. And the votes came out as follows. Kirk came in with 18% of the vote. Janeway at 14%. Cisco at 23%. And I have to say, in a little bit of a self-serving demeanor, Picard came in at 45%. There was also lots of replies. And I'd like to give several people shout-outs here on the episode. Uh, Governor Pappy said, If I want to stay alive, Cisco. If I want to live with myself, Picard. If I want to laugh while kicking, you know what, Janeway. Uh, Christian Janeway thought that was pretty funny and said, day made, in response to Governor Pappy. Dan Hotson said, Cisco DS9 had the most combat military experience. Others were more about exploration and science. And added, and Cardassians were the worst bad guys in any of the series. Calvinist Girl said, Janeway. She's got the democracy of Picard and crazy eyes of Kirk while kicking butt in high heel boots. Uh, Chris Land said, I take Picard any day. ANG Reynolds, definitely Cisco. He was the best fighter of the lot, although Janeway is a close second, especially if she is protecting someone. Regular Reform Guy said, always Kirk. Cause stuff. <laughs> Andrew Giles said, In a firefight, Janeway all the way, most stubborn and bad you-know-what. David Seep said, "Cisco is the winner for me. Blessed and Bearded said, Because Picard is awesome. Jay Nestleston, if I pronounced that incorrectly, I'm sorry. Uh, No love for Janeway, he says. Uh, Emma says Picard's the best captain because he wouldn't be giving Shakespearean soliloquies and making sure his hair is just so. Looking at you, Kirk. Uh, Shepherd Dad said Archer. Clone Campbell said Picard is equal to Xavier. Nuff said. Pastor Jim. Uh, Landalus said Each of these is a fine captain Had I known Janeway's vote was so low I would have went with her instead of Cisco." And then Alicia Costello said Kirk, because as much as Picard is a statesman Romanesque leader Sometimes you just need a cowboy to go beat the tar out of your enemy And those are the results of the latest poll on Twitter Thanks for weighing in Well, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast, and I'd also like to encourage you to take a moment to go to CalvinistPicard.com. There you can find, of course, all the different episodes that have gone on so far in the Captain's Log podcast. You can also find the Captain's blog, which is updated fairly regularly, several different articles out even within the past month or so. And you can also go to the first contact page and leave feedback on what your thoughts are in regards to the blog, in regards to the podcast, or if you just want to give me a shout out. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Calvinist Picard. You can also email me directly at CalvinistPicard at gmail.com. Again, thanks for taking the time to listen. And in honor of recent Star Wars Day, live long and prosper.